0: matter what Welcome to episode 649 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello.
1: So, when uh, BP style is a lowercase letter after a, a colon, even if it's a, a full sentence after the colon?
0: Yeah, that's been an adjustment for me because Grantland style is capitalized. Yep.
1: Everything I ever, everywhere I ever worked was also capitalized. But here's my question: style is also everywhere is to not start a sentence with a, with a number, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you write out the number no matter how big it is. But if it's after a colon, and you're going lowercase because you're not acknowledging that this is a sentence, mm. you start with the number or do you write out fifteen? Huh? That, huh?
0: That is a conundrum. That's kind of a catch twenty two.
1: Yeah. Hmm. And yeah, so what would you do?
0: Probably just use the number. All right. Done. Okay. Editing banter. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Well, we're going to give an update on our completed and ongoing contests and drafts. Since we did a draft yesterday, the No Tommy John draft, the official scorekeeper of Effectively Wild listener, John Chenier, emailed us an update and... All of these things are in a Google Doc in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. You click on the files section, you open up the Google Doc. It shows every draft and bet we've ever had. But we'll update you on the recent ones and the ongoing ones. So the the offseason one, we talked about the predicting free agent contracts one. That one is done. That's been done for a while. But the odds movers draft, which was on November 11th, we each picked five teams and we guessed on the direction that their World Series odds would go over the course of the offseason. And mm-hmm. the winner of this contest was just the person who picked the most teams that went in the direction that, that we guessed. The, the magnitude of the change in direction did not matter. Just the change in direction. And so you won. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked the Giants to get worse. The Rays to get better. And this is not, this is just odds, not the actual team. So I picked the Giants who were 12 to 1 at the time to get worse. The Rays at 50 to 1 to get better. Cubs at 16 to 1 to get worse. Tigers 10 to 1 to get worse. Mets 33 to 1 to get better. The Tigers and the Giants were right. So the, the Giants are now longer odds than they were. And the Tigers are now longer odds than they were. But the Rays went in the under other direction. The Rays were 50 to 1. I thought their odds would get better. They got worse. They're now 66 to 1. And the Mets and the Cubs have not changed at all. They are identical. Although, technically, I guess I still have a couple days, right? I've got, I've got two days. Mets and the Cubs can move in the right direction and tie this thing for me. You mm-hmm. picked the Marlins 50 to 1 to get better. The Yankees 20 to 1 to get better. The Reds 33 to 1 to get worse. Astros 100 to 1 to get better. And the Braves, 25-1 to 1 to get worse. And you were right on Marlins and Yankees getting worse. Uh, no,
1: I said Yankees better.
0: I got the right, Yankees. Right, right,
1: I got the rest right.
0: Okay, you got Yankees wrong and everything else right. So, yeah. So unless there's a dramatic change in Cubs and Mets odds in the next day or two, you take that one 4-2. to two.
1: If anyone laid down a
0: bet in Vegas on me beating Ben in this competition, <laughs> congratulations. Uh-huh. And then we've got two ongoing under-25 starting pitchers drafts. This was something we did in May of 2013 for the first time and then May of 2014 for the second time. And it's just the the most wins-above-replacement player over the next five and ten years each time. Different group of starters. I am currently in the lead in both of these. I am winning 37.5 to twenty four point seven two. John went to two decimal places on this, and that is in the 2013 one. And then in the 2014 one, I'm leading 11.5 to 9.9. And there are six competitions that have finished already. I've won three. You've won three. Harry Pavlidis won one, which I think was the under 90-mile-per-hour starting pitcher's draft. And there are also a couple other ongoing bets, right? There's Jacoby Ellsbury. We bet in podcast 280. In September 2013, how many home runs over the next five years Jacoby Ellsbury would hit? You said 66. I said 50. He is at 17. So I am the leader in the clubhouse there. And I guess there's the there's the Pirates postseason ones, postseason one, which maybe I won already? Podcast. No, no guess... you lost.
1: They didn't make the playoffs. That didn't count.
0: You oh, count. right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. Podcast 304. This was October 2013. How many of the next five postseasons? will include the pirates. You said zero. I said two. But postseason was defined as everything beyond wild card play and game. Huh? Okay. Still feeling, still feeling all right about that one.
1: Your lead in the first under twenty-five draft, which is substantial, mm-hmm. is essentially one Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like yeah. that's that is both how close we could have been uh, if Clayton Kershaw had been like two years older, mm-hmm. and uh, and also how good K- Clayton Kershaw has been because it's not even close.
0: Okay. I feel all right about that. Okay. So that's an update on all of our things. Some of you have, have joined us after these bets were made. So now you know that those bets were made. And if you want to go look at the ones that have been resolved already, you can do that in the Facebook group. Okay. So this is the last show before opening day. We've made it through the off season. And so I thought we could just do a basic what storylines are we looking forward to this season? And we were chatting earlier. I said we could could just do five or ten storylines that we're looking forward to. You said three, and I said four, and then you said four is more than three, so no. And I said okay. And that's why our partnership has worked so well. Compromise. So we are doing three each storylines that we are looking forward to. Who's going first?
1: Uh, You go first.
0: I might All right. Have 3. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um okay, I think mine I I don't look forward to individual teams as much as I look forward to trends since I'm not not rooting for any team in particular. Certain teams are more interesting than others, but I don't know. The teams are kind of like the the monster of the week episodes of the X-Files and the the trends are like the mythology episodes of the X-Files where They actually give you some information about how things work, even if you're more confused at the end than you were at the beginning. But you feel like you're getting a glimpse of behind the curtain. You're not just, uh, it's not just a a one season thing. And so I'm not going to pick an individual team, but I think if I can get away with it, I'm going to pick the group of teams that either expectedly or unexpectedly uh, just, Took a leap forward this offseason So like the the Cubs The White Sox <laughs> The Padres, the Astros Maybe the teams that have just been out of it For a few years Weren't even trying particularly Some of those we sort of expected That they would do something this winter And maybe compete this year Others, White Sox, the Padres No one really saw that coming So I think that is going to be My thing for this year Those teams that have taken us out of the era when there were teams that were tanking sort of intentionally because right now it doesn't seem like anyone is doing that there are, there are a couple bad teams but unintentionally they're not really trying to be bad they've just done it inadvertently and so I'm curious to see how much progress they make in a single offseason with the Cubs obviously it's the, the prospects and with the Padres it's this weird disjointed roster that is just kind of cobbled together and has lots of talent, but doesn't fit together well. And then the White Sox, I didn't foresee any of what they did this winter and and the Astros are kind of competitive now. So I don't know. I put them all into a, a category of teams that have been non-factors for a few years and suddenly are very much factors. And I'm curious to see how good they can get in one winter of really trying to be good.
1: Does your job require you to to predict
0: standings? It does. I've got to do that. Oh, you haven't done it yet? I've, I've sort of done it. I've, in these division previews that we've done, I have ordered the teams in the order that I thought they would finish, but I only did half the divisions. I do have to pick some. Grantland will have its predictions on Monday. Do you have any
1: predictions that are not just straight down the conventional <laughs> wisdom line? Do you have any that aren't just you know what what the projections say or what basically everybody agrees on Uh, like i know that there are some things that we don't quite agree on but you know we basically do everybody basically does mm -hmm. do you have anything that you're you feel like uh exposed
0: on not particularly i i mean that's i mean that's 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 how my projection that's how my predictions are every year (laughs) yeah which is why i hate predictions and uh i tried to Tried to get out of it. I tried to tell my editor that my predictions are so boring that no one would want to read them. It didn't work. But, but yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, the thing is that, like, if you're making a, a, a World Series pick that makes everyone go, what? I feel like on the whole, you'll probably be wrong more often. Not that the... No, it's true. And maybe the goal is, I mean, no one is good at this. We're not any better than the projection systems and the projection systems aren't very good. So maybe there's, there's value to whatever outlet you are writing for just to come up with a wacky prediction and try to justify it. And then people link to it on Twitter and get mad at you and they click on your stuff and that's... Everyone does that you know once once in a while someone someone does it every year right so i expect that other people have done it or, or will do it but i can't make myself do it i i don't know
1: no i mean you shouldn't do it for the good of your you shouldn't do it for the good of your publication right you don't like the world is is worse when people are <laughs> lying uh particularly people who are paid to you know essentially. Uh, who, who readers expect to be honest, and then they just they just lie in order to get attention. That's not good. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, it does seem like I don't know. Do, I, I, this sort of goes to I think what we've talked about before the the Hall of Fame voting issue, where like uh, the it's it's horrible to just go down the war list. Like, it just it's the worst possible thing you can do to, is just go down the war list and vote the guys at the top. Mm-hmm. Except every other way is worse. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> no better way to do it than that. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you just kind of have to do it, and then maybe just for your own conscience, you, like, swap eight and nine, or you swap, like, 12 in for number 10. But basically, like, you're not smarter than war, and mm-hmm. you're not smarter than, you know, you're not really smarter than the projections. If you were smarter than the projections, then you would just put out, Projections, like with your, with your own gut, and everybody would pay for them, but Mm -hmm. nobody would do that. And so, uh, so yeah, it's very hard to justify not going with either the projections that you choose, whatever projections you choose, or like some, um, you know, amalgamation of the projections. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, geez, like (laughs) some some part of your brain has to at some point just say, "Oh, I don't really believe this one. I believe something else," and then just go with that. Like you don't. I feel like like putting in something idiosyncratic for attention is is rotten and evil mm-hmm. but but not really pushing yourself to get past your opinions is fine like that's all people want people want your individualism mm-hmm. they want they want to know what your your gut tells you what your brain operating through your gut or your gut operating through your brain tells you like they think that you're a smart person with interesting opinions and even if you're wrong, they don't really care that much because they want to know what you think. That like, it's sort of like um, I remember um, like my dad and I were talking one time about uh, psychi- psycholo- psychology, psychology, psychiatrists, going to a therapist. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, and this was when I was young, like 19, and I I remember saying, you know, I'd be worried that if I ever went to a therapist, I would be lying to the therapist because like I wouldn't really want to admit, um, you know, I wouldn't want to admit. Uh, my, you know, my uh, my weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. I, even, even if it was not admitting them to myself, and I was trying to be honest, I wouldn't want to admit them. And my dad, who has a psychology masters, I believe, uh, said, no, it's okay because the lying, like that's all part of you. like they <laughs> see through your being a liar, too. like they see through it all. Hmm. like they're they're assessing what you lie about and how you lie and how do you li- how you lie to yourself. It's all relevant data. And I feel like, Readers don't really care if you get your order right. They just want to see you, Ben. They want, they want you. They want some of you in these things. And uh-huh. I say you, but I mean all of us. I'm the same way with you. I mean your predictions and my predictions most years are exactly the same, and it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, this year I have one division that I just I just said, forget it. I'm going with what I think. Uh-huh. And it. The rest are all right right down the line, right straight down the list.
0: Do you want to say what it is?
1: The AL Central.
0: Okay. I
1: have the White Sox, the Indians, the Royals, the Tigers, and fourth, and then the Twins.
0: Okay. Well, I, I mean, I feel like at this point, there's almost no such thing as a weird pick because every team is like an 85-win team, right? So other than if you were going to like not pick the Nationals or not pick the Dodgers or something, like in the in the Central, I mean, what do the projections say about the Tigers and Indians and White Sox? Aren't They're all like within a few games or something.
1: So. Uh yeah, well if you're looking at Picota then the Royals are way behind.
0: The, oh, the, well yeah.
1: And the Tigers are like four or five wins ahead of the of the White Sox, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Tigers at 83, White Sox at 78, uh, Indians right in the middle and then Royals at 73.
0: Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess that's unconventional. I don't yeah. know. It's the best best we can do. It's the best I can do. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, cuz like if you don't pick how can you not pick the Nationals to win the World Series or or the or the Dodgers? Like you have to pick the team that yeah. you think is that yeah. has yeah. the best chance of making yeah. the of winning its division. Yeah. Because that is a big deal. If you can get past the wild card game, that's I mean if you have to play the wild card game, your odds of winning the World Series just went down by 50%. So if you don't think that the team is going to easily win its division, then you shouldn't pick them to win the World Series. And like if the Nationals or the Dodgers seem to be the teams with the best chances of winning their division because they're good and their competition is not as close as the competition in other divisions. So I don't know how you can not pick them unless you really believe, and I don't even know what other, like you can't, even if you're one of those people who think like pitching wins championships and you you have to have the best pitching or something, they have the best pitching too. So I don't know how you can not pick them unless you think there's some inherent weakness in them spiritually and that's why they haven't won yet
1: yeah it's this comes up whenever like espn does their their expert picks Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um you know there'll be some like it'll be the postseason the experts will all pick and there'll be like they'll have like 650 experts you know Mm -hmm. and so it makes for this like massive graph of predictions Mm -hmm. and all 650 will pick one team right and then and then the other team will win and then like the other team will be like see (laughs)
0: <laughs> idiots
1: idiots who thought there was a 650 to nothing chance yeah. that's not what it is if, no. if all 650 think that there's a 52% chance yes then you have to pick 52 <laughs> 52 is always bigger than 48 right. you can't pick 48 it's not allowed and so unless you're a troll or an attention whore or mm-hmm. or you don't see the 48 and the 52, mm-hmm. um, you have to do it. And so the 650 to 0 doesn't actually mean anything. It's not an overwhelming show of anything. It it means that... It means that... Edge, that
0: but that, not that, a, that, that team, but a huge edge. Right. That team convinced everyone that they were better, but... Not,
1: and they probably were. Right. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're going to win. There's still only, like, you know, a, some X percentage chance likely mm-hmm. to win, and X mm-hmm. isn't usually that big. Yep. Yep. So anyway, yeah, I think, I, who did I pick for the World Series? I'm going to see who I picked for the World Series. Uh,
0: the Washington Nationals. <laughs> Good pick. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, well, you you have a storyline?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess my storyline is the, uh, I'm going to say the Red Sox and the Yankees, both of those teams. Mm. Um, I'm curious to see both of their trajectories mainly because I would like to see another team that could rival the Dodgers on the market. Like I'd like to see I I feel like I feel like all these teams or a lot of these teams could be spending more money than they are. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the if you look at how much the franchises are actually worth and how the the value of the franchises keep going up. I mean these guys are making so much more than just revenue. And they don't really have to stop spending where they do. And I'm kind of curious to see if like either the Red Sox, this uh, this trade deadline will just go crazy and add three aces. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if the um, Yankees can somehow get back, oh, I don't know what it would mean for the Yankees. Either maybe it would mean sinking so bad that they're able to shed $90 million at the trade deadline. Or maybe it would mean getting back and winning a World Series. I don't know. But I would like to see, I mean, neither one of those teams uh, has been a huge factor since the Dodgers Uh, arrived in August of 2012. The Red Sox were a big factor this offseason, but, you know. They won a World Series. No, I mean on the market, Uh i on the free agent market. Like, they've signed a bunch of good players. The Yankees signed a bunch of good players last offseason, and the Red Sox signed a bunch of good players this offseason. But neither one has rivaled what the Dodgers have done, where, like, there will be weeks at a time where you just think they're never going to stop adding players, Mm -hmm. and you still feel like the Dodgers, Moncada being the exception, you still feel like the Dodgers can get any player they want, and Moncada might be the exception that proves the rule. In that, if we take what they say at face value, they, you know, they bid for him, but they saw a real, um, a real penalty to signing him and giving up two years of international spending. Um, so um, I don't know that we've seen a team outbid the Dodgers yet, really. And I'd like, I kind of want to just see what happens if there are three powerhouses. That are all pushing three hundred and thirty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that would do? So I'm just basically curious to see whether the Red Sox uh, will be the uh, will replace the Yankees as the you know Dodgers of the AL at the trade deadline, uh, and whether the Yankees will figure out a way to be um, you know a relevant factor again. Because right now it sort of feels like the, the opposite direction. Like you sort of don't expect the Yankees to sign anybody right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for them to get bargain moves like Chase Headley. Um, and so that's, I guess, the story.
0: Yeah, and a related one, which I wasn't going to bring up. It's not one of mine, but I'd, I'm curious to see whether this is the year that the NL takes the crown back over oh, the I AL. I they
1: can do it. I know. I, I, think, I think this I'm is it. I think they can do it. I yeah. think they do I almost tweeted it as a prediction, and then I thought, they lost like f- <laughs> 55% of games last year. What do I have to go on? Like, I know. field switch beats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, it doesn't seem like there was a huge imbalance in the way that, that the market went this winter, but uh, it seems like all the best teams are in the NL, the Dodgers are there, and if that old theory about how the AL was superior because the Yankees were pulling everyone up by spending so much, then maybe the Dodgers are now having the same effect on the NL, and I, I don't know, I mean, it's it's been, what, it's been like since 2003? Or something that AL has won interleague every single year, and this—I don't know—it feels like feels like this could be the year that that changes. Not that that really matters. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what league is is better, but it's something you have to keep in mind when you're forecasting players going one way or another, or teams facing each other in the playoffs or whatever. But that's something I'm curious to see. Um Okay, so I guess my second one is just all of the all of the strategic cat and mouse stuff that we talk about the the shift, bunting. Um, that's... Wait,
1: your story is strategy.
0: <laughs> your <laughs> well, story
1: to watch is baseball strategy.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm curious to see. I'm if... curious to see who will win games. Like, I'm there's no. Quite, I don't care about that. I'm curious to see who will win the 2,430 games. I just remembered last year before the season began, I asked if anybody wanted to predict every game with me, and somebody (laughs) replied yes. And he he managed to take me like 90 games before I finally gave in and said, all right, I was just joking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I, I mean, the shift is the thing. I've been looking at that for a couple of years now. I'm curious whether this will be the year that there will really be an explosion in bunts against the shift. There's been lots of rhetoric this spring about guys, you know, working on it in camp. But there was some of that last year, too. And I at some point looked and there are always a few guys who say, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they don't actually do it once the season starts. So I'm curious to see if that will be the thing. Uh, There were... 124 bunts against the shift last season according to Inside Edge which was up from 66 in 2013 so it almost doubled of course shifts became much more common also so wait the... so
1: that's so the rate of bunt to shift basically held steady
0: I think so yeah pretty that's much That's
1: interesting isn't it
0: Well you I mean you would you would expect that there would be more bunts over you time
1: expect, Right you'd expect you'd expect Given that bunts were at just about zero mm-hmm. uh, yeah. When the strategy caught on And now it's very much in people's minds And it seems like something that you need to react to I would expect the bunts to far, far, far outpace
0: mm-hmm.
1: shifts uh, as, as growth
0: You'd think And so I'm curious to see if that actually happens I don't know Prince Fielder laid one down this spring Who knows, if he can do it Maybe anyone can do it So so I'm curious about that and And... I'm curious about the, the the number, the rate of shifts, obviously. I mean, that's a related topic, but I don't think they are close to getting to the ceiling yet. I mean, it's it's been like doubling for the last couple of years. And John Dewan at BIS says that he thinks it's like a third of the optimal shift rate right now. So there could be could be more shifts and more bunting. And so I'm curious to see how that goes, and whether still, whether we see any actual difference in BABIP if there are even more shifts. So I guess that's one. I was gonna gonna tie the the strike zone into it, but I guess that's a different topic, but I don't want to use that as my third topic. Is that going to be a topic for you? The
1: strike zone? Yeah.
0: Strike zone. No, it's not. Okay. Well, I'm curious about that too, because it's been sinking for the last few years. It's been getting larger and it seems like teams have at least have sort of said that they are building themselves around that being the case. Like the, the pirates with their emphasis on pitching low in the zone and the Red Sox getting a bunch of low in the zone pitchers. I don't, I don't know. It's not like if they suddenly stop calling the low strike, those teams are going to be screwed. Cause I mean, pitching low in the zone is probably a good thing anyway. And getting ground <laughs> balls is generally a good thing anyway. But um, if, if teams are kind of counting on this and pitching, guys differently because of it and there's that theory about the a's getting fly ball hitters because their swing planes line up with low pitches better and you would never get them to admit that of course but that's a thing that people have speculated about so if teams are actually adjusting strategically or you know building their rosters with the expectation that strikes are going to be called low we will see I, i don't expect there to be any huge difference this year. It just, I mean, Manfred has talked about it and said that maybe they will look into doing things in 2016. Or there is a Jeff Passan report about the league possibly adjusting the strike zone in 2016. So I'm curious. There's a lot of awareness about it, of it clearly. And will that sinking that we have seen for the last few years continue, or now that it's on everyone's mind, will it stop? Will it reverse itself? And will that have some effect on offense because it seems like about a third of the decline in offense is related to the expansion of the strike zone, so one one kind of moves with the other, and it's not really clear whether it's all umpires or whether it's partially defensive catchers too, which is something I'm trying to figure out how to, how to separate. So that's uh, something I'll be I'll be watching.
1: Snuck in an extra topic. Um, yep. <laughs> do you uh, uh, do we know why? I mean, you just said we don't know if it's all umpires, if it's some of its catcher, but do we, like, was there something that caused the umpire, the strike zone to to go down that we know of? Like, was there an order from MLB at some point? Was there a redefinition of the rules? Is is this completely coincidental? Or do they just, are they just following each other?
0: Do we know? I don't think we know whether there was any mandate, but the the theory, and, and it seems pretty clear, is that it's pitch FX because it happened, like, between 2009 and 2010 when when umpires started being evaluated with pitch FX info and and the strike zone is more accurate now is the thing like it's not like they're calling it wrong they're calling it right and it's well
1: kind of the the bottom of the zone is very i mean it's i mean it's a very loose it's hard to
0: say yeah but but technically if the if the bottom of the zone is the the hollow of the the knee or whatever that's that's pretty low and that that pitch wasn't getting called before and now it, now it is. So I don't, I, I think technically, I mean, the, the accuracy is higher than ever. Now that the, the con con, you know, the way it conforms to the rule book strike zone is closer than it used to be. But as it turns out, when you do that, guys can't hit the ball very hard. So that is the, the theory that it's the zone evaluation system that they're using, that they're holding umpires to that standard. And, umpires are trying to be more accurate and this has been the unintended byproduct
1: mm. all right um i will say Statcast, mm. and i will say Statcast mainly because i i like i still have no idea like what 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 it is going to be for us like we mm-hmm. still don't really know what the policies are going to be for releasing it we don't know what we're going to see we don't know when we're going to see it we don't know if it's going to be like a thing where you can Access the whole thing in in virtually real time, uh, like with pitch effects. We don't know hardly anything, and it sort of feels like this thing that is massive and going to change everything. Uh, and yet, like, you know, in Independence Day, when like, they just woke up and all the spaceships were just there, like, <laughs> like, they didn't see them coming? Like, how did they not see them coming for days and months? And I mean, these are huge spaceships. How come nobody saw these? <laughs> I feel like, like StatCast is this thing that we're going to just wake up and it's going to be looming over us, and then we'll respond to it and things will explode. Um, and right now, I don't know. I, I have no idea what it's going to look like. I'm very curious. I'm very interested. And I think it's also plausible. That at the end of the year we'll look back and go, huh? We didn't get anything (laughs) from Statcast. Like Mm -hmm. it was on, it was on a lot of broadcasts in bits and pieces, and nothing else. Like that, it might change nothing for us. It might change nothing. It might be no better for analysis than Mm -hmm. XMO. You know, we we don't know. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Kind of weird that we don't know.
0: It's not for lack of asking. <laughs> I know, right? I've I asked uh, I asked Manfred directly, yeah, lots of people have asked him, and uh, they're playing it pretty close to the vest. And um, it seems like I don't know from what he said at Sloan, they're talking to broadcasters. We're going to see it in broadcasts more. You'll see it in MLB at Bat, your your apps. It'll it'll show up there somehow. I'm sure there'll continue to be videos released. But I'm not optimistic about getting anything that we can use for, for analysis. I, I, I he said, you know, over the long term they will release more of it. But I would guess for this season, I, I would, I would think uh, the best we can hope for is maybe like some leaderboards on MLB.com or something that tell you max speed leaders or something like that. I wouldn't, wouldn't expect the whole thing to just be dumped on the internet. As nice as that would be.
1: I'm breaking my silence, Ben. I have seen now that the finals in the Banished to the Pen EW tournament, uh-huh. uh, they are D-Backs Headlines versus Web Albers. Yeah. D-Backs Headlines was my pick from the beginning. It was the non-number one that I promised I, I liked more than any other and that I, I worried was going to lose to Web Albers like everything else. And sure enough, we have them in the finals, and um, people should vote how they want. But I'm going to vote <laughs> five times for D-Backs Headlines.
0: Wow, you're trying to influence the vote. The voting I'm... voting is open until, what, midnight Midnight Saturday or something?
1: All right, Ben, you tell everybody to vote for Web Albers so that it's equal.
0: Well, I voted for Web Albers. All right. You guys can do what you want. Um, okay, so my last storyline is Harper and Trout, which is, I guess, two storylines. But they, they've been a package deal in the past, so I'm going to make them one again. So Trout... Uh, for the obvious reasons, because he is the best, <laughs> and he's the best through this age ever, but also because of the things that he did differently last year and more strikeouts and more homers and lower batting average and fewer steals, and is he going to just be that type of player now? Are we going to see the trout that we saw a couple of years ago, or is he just going to continue to progress more toward the the slugger mold? I'm interested to see that. And obviously the high fastballs thing, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the high fastballs thing just turns out to be a complete non-story. Like uh, when I looked at this when he won the MVP, and I wrote about it then, I, I looked for like the biggest changes in high fastball scene percentage over the last several years, and then looked to see what happened the year after that, and it seemed like it just sort of regressed. Like the guys who suddenly started seeing a lot more high fastballs, didn't continue to see them so i don't know whether that is just guys threw them high fastballs accidentally or whether they adjusted i think i looked at i don't know whiff rate or something and that didn't change it was kind of confusing but i don't know whether trout will see even more of those whether he will just hit them really well and people will stop trying that but it's an interesting thing wouldn't be surprised if he just makes it a non-story one way or another But that's Trout and then Harper, of course, just because uh, this feels like the year when he's going to bust out and be a monster. And I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not a make-or-break year or anything close to that. But I would say it's a make-or-break year for people predicting that he's going to be a monster in spring training. Like if he just goes out there and gets hurt again and hits 20 homers or something and is, you know kind of looks like Harper sometimes and looks ordinary at other times. I doubt people will be predicting the 50 homer season with the same enthusiasm next spring, which doesn't mean that, that that's the time that he, he might suddenly do it. But I would say this is the probably the last year, unless he does it, that people will really count on him to do it. And I hope he does it. It was fun to watch him in the postseason hit lots of long homers. And I hope to see more of that this year. So
1: uh, we used to wonder who was going to have a better career, Trout or Harper. Yeah. Uh, let's say that the, the question is who will have a better career right now between ha- Trout and Harper. How many, how many wars do you have to penalize Trout to make it an even bet? <laughs> so, starting now. So everything Starting happened,
0: now. Yeah. Huh. Everything that's happened in the past is gone. Hmm. I guess I'll say 15? Oh, jeez. I think way 20? More 20.
1: If I had to guess, if I had to, to say, I would say that Trout uh, is is re, is probably good for. I would say if I had to project, if I were projecting their careers uh, right now, I would project Trout for somewhere between seventy five and eighty five wars
0: uh-huh.
1: from now on, and Harper for probably uh, between low forties and low fifties
0: uh-huh.
1: as a median, you know, as a as a mean average, as a mean projection, right. Okay. Uh, could certainly, could certainly, obviously, could certainly win, could could do, do hundred wars, but mm-hmm. uh, to me it's like a thirty war handicap. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna check the ten year forecast. <laughs> Bear with me. Let's, what the, <laughs> let's let's see what the ten year forecast is. Okay. Uh, like forty four ish for Harper in ten. Okay. years. So that's only ten years, and he still projects to be a good player at the end of that. So forty four would not be his career projection uh Pekoda would say that i was pessimistic
0: <laughs> that'll be his age 32 season <laughs> his last one that you're counting yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and you know it wouldn't project a lot more after that but i would say that it's got a, a good 20 ish probably mm-hmm. beyond that uh, if you took it out further yeah. all right so now trout in the next 10 years projects to uh like 59 or 60 about 60 mm-hmm Okay. Uh, and he's, uh, he, of course, would only be a year older than Harper at right. that point and projects uh, is about twice the ball player at age 32 that Harper projects to be at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've got a so the team, difference is 15, 16 over the next 10 yeah. years and then, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So okay. I think 30 is fair. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: you got a last one?
1: Uh, I'm just curious to see that if the Dodgers can, what seems to me, uh, walk this very narrow tightrope. Uh, with their pitching health. Yeah, me too. It really, like, it seems like it, it just sort of seems surprising to me that the one place that they don't have depth is the one place that is least predictable and most prone to injury. And particularly them, because particularly they went out and got guys who are, you know, injury prone. And even the depth is injury prone. You know, like their depth is like Brandon Beachy and his mm-hmm. isn't exactly injury prone, but, you know, he's Freddie Garcia. And so, um, it's just sort of interesting to me because they've got like almost like almost forty million dollars spent on their bench, and a lot of that is Andre Ethier, but a lot of it is not Andre Ethier, and it's guys who they specifically went out and either signed for you know non-negligible money or offered arbitration to, which means that they wanted him. Like Ellis and Barney were both offered arbitration, uh, and um, Heisey was signed. And then you know they've so they've got forty million dollars in or thirty six I think million dollars in bench expenses, and they just it seems to me just didn't really like have as a goal the same sort of depth for pitching. And indeed, when and got Brett Anderson, who like if I'm setting the over under, it'd be like maybe forty five to sixty five innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ryu, he's who's already kind of hurt, and really frankly, like anybody like Kershaw, or Greinke, the odds are probably. You know, fifty-fifty that at least one of them is unavailable for a significant portion of time, and so it just feels like this is a team that is so good that it cannot possibly miss the playoffs, mm-hmm. and yet, like, just even relatively bad luck, like, like you know, like sigma one, mm-hmm. one sigma, sorry, one sigma bad luck mm-hmm. could put their rotation in a bad enough position that they miss the playoffs, and it, that that all feels kind of strange and odd to me. Maybe they just been, know. Maybe it just, they just figure, well, we can always get pitching if we need it. Like, there will be pitching available if we just make it to June and all of a sudden a whole bunch of people are available. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they like Zach Lee or maybe they think, you know, Rias can come up at age 17 or whatever. <laughs> God, he yeah. is right now and hold it down or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, you're agreeing. so Yeah,
0: I'm, I, uh, I'm fascinated by that, that whole thing. I, when I wrote about... The Dodgers a couple weeks ago and like tried to come up with ways that the there could be a downfall for the Dodgers. Like that was my, my first one. That's the thing that I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, those are the guys that every team is afraid of, and they just went out and got all of them. Just yeah. McCarthy and Beachy and Eric Bedard, who's hurt already, and Joe Wyland from the Padres, who's had Tommy John like once or twice, maybe. And yeah, Beachy, I mean, it's just a whole, it's a whole like shadow rotation of guys who just might not pitch at all. And they didn't have to do that. Like they could have, for the money that they spent on McCarthy and Anderson, they could have just, you know, gotten James Shields or something like someone who's as dependable as any pitcher is. And they chose not to do that. They chose to get those guys, which is, I mean, it seems to indicate that they are really confident in the fact that that they can they've done the research and they can keep these guys healthy and it will be really fascinating to see whether that actually is the case i mean if if like if brendan mccarthy and brett anderson if brett anderson pitches 180 innings this year can we just like assume that the dodgers know injury magic or is is there any like brett anderson durability level that would convince you that it's not a fluke and like they actually identified some reason why he wasn't as risky as everyone thought like all of his fluke injuries actually were fluke injuries the whole time and it wasn't part of a pattern or or they were a pattern but they figured out how to prevent it from happening again
1: one year would not would not convince me of anything. Uh, one pitcher would not convince me of anything. But it would be notable. I mean, I saw I, the spring training game I went to a couple days ago. Anderson was pitching, and he looked pretty good. And and every time he like had to cover first, and then walked back to the mound, I'm like, oh, looks ginger. He's got, I bet he's coming. And then he would just keep pitching. And uh, and like midway through, I started getting actually angry at the thought that the Dodgers. Might get 210 innings out of Brett Anderson. Like, I mean, good for them if they do. It's a nice group of guys. You know, Stan is the best in the business and all that. But it just doesn't seem fair that they could get 210 innings out of Brett Anderson. You know, no. it just doesn't feel right. Brett Anderson seems to be a good guy too. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be unhappy except that I would be like for just this year. I will be unhappy, and I'm in a bad position here.
0: They have every other advantage. That <laughs> they should not be the ones with the the pitching advantage. If there were any fairness, it should be like the Reds or something should be the team that knows yes. how to keep pitchers healthy. And if it's yeah. the Dodgers, then they are just untouchable. If they are the team that can spend all the money and keep all the pitchers healthy, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. So thanks for. Getting through the offseason with us, and we're looking forward to the season. We will talk to you about it next week. You can send us emails for next week at podcast at baseballperspectus.com, Rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to the show on iTunes, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Please support our sponsor also, the Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com. And using the coupon code BP to subscribe to the Play Index for the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription, we will be back on Monday.